0: Hello, everyone. My name is Haley Elizabeth, and if you don't know who I am, this is my true crime podcast where once a week I sit down and I talk about all things true crime, ranging from murders, disappearances, cults, all the way to the biggest drug bust in history, the biggest bank heist in history all things true crime. So if you're interested in any of that, you can subscribe on the YouTube channel and watch the visual version every Wednesday, or you could go over to Spotify, Apple, wherever you could find podcasts and listen to the audio version every Tuesday. And for today's case, we are going to be talking about the case of Mary Yoder. Now, there is a lot to get through, so we're just going to hop right into it. Mary Louise Bakert was born on March 18th of 1955 in Buffalo, Erie County, New York. She grew up with her mom, Norma, her father, Arthur, and she was one of eight kids. She had five sisters and two brothers. Mary, growing up, was described as a very loving and caring soul. She loved to take care of people, and that was something that she really wanted to do as a career one day. She loved taking care of people. She loved helping people. She had a really big heart, especially when it came to her family and friends. Mary was definitely, like, the caretaker sibling. If you guys have a lot of siblings, you know that there's always that one sibling that is kind of, like, the mediator of everyone, and they're, like, they're more the responsible. One of like, hey, let's not do this. It's not a good idea. And that was definitely Mary. She was even labeled as some of her friends as a teenager, as sort of like the mom of the group. You know, like when you're out with your friends, there's always that one friend that like carries everything and anything in their purse. They're always making sure that like all of their friends are being fed and they're good and everything. That was Mary. She just loved to make sure that everyone around her was being taken care of and loved. And so after high school, Mary. Mary knew that she wanted to do something in the medical field because something in the medical field meant that she would be able to help people on a daily basis and that is when she decided to go to Life Chiropractic College and earn her doctorate in chiropractic medicine. And then in 1975 when she was 20 years old while she was attending college that is when she would meet a man by the name of William R. Yoder aka Bill who was a fellow chiropractic student. And so during this time it's very hard to say how old William was compared to Mary because it says that before getting into chiropractic medicine, he actually taught philosophy courses for 10 years at the University of Buffalo, Vaser College, and Furman University. So I'm not sure how old William was when he met Mary, but he was definitely a lot older than her. But nonetheless, the two met and when they met, they said that it was love at first sight. They knew that they wanted to be with each other for the rest of their lives. They were very committed to one another, and they ended up dating all throughout college. All throughout college, this was when Mary really started to learn her independence because, as I said, when she was at home or as a teenager, she had seven other siblings. So everything she did, she always had to do with someone. She was always sharing her things, but now that she was away at college, she was a completely independent person, and she really started to discover herself and try a bunch of new things. Mary was described as a very free-spirited soul. She was very in tune with herself. She meditated. She was active very regularly. She loved to be out in nature and go on hikes. She also loved to cook healthy meals and eat healthy in general. She was just overall an it girl like she was just so spontaneous as well every time her friends would ask her to do something or like something spontaneous she would be so down to do it Mary also believed in the therapeutic power of healing the body, mind, and soul, which really helped with her inner peace. She also really, really enjoyed dancing. Dancing was one of her favorite things to do, and I don't mean, you know, regular dancing dancing. She loved to do dancing like Bollywood, Belly, and African dancing. She was always the type of person to really bring people out of their comfort zone. She always loved, lived by, you know, life is short, so might as well do everything there is to do while you're here. And she would go ahead and do all of these, you know, very obscure hobbies and things that a lot of people would be too scared to do, but she would encourage other people to get out of their comfort zone and do it because it was fun. And so because of her dance skills, this is where she really started to become more in tune with her creative side, and she exceeded greatly in a lot of very creative. creative hobbies, such as photography, painting, and pottery. And exceeding further in her creativity, she was also a member of the World Music Choir, where she sang and drummed as a talented musician. So again, just she did everything. She was a drummer, she was a singer, she was a dancer. She was also a patron of the Munson William Proctor Arts Institute, which is just an arts institute. They have a little bit of everything there. And this was simply just all hobbies of hers. Like she was still going to chiropractic school and so she was still planning on becoming a chiropractor and helping people for a living, but these were just fun things that she did because why not? And so away from the creative side, which she was clearly exceeding at and doing so much in, she also succeeded in the chiropractic field as well. She was actually an affiliate of the New York State Chiropractic Association. So she was, you know, a woman in power when it came to the chiropractic field in New York. And so this woman at such a young age, at this point, she was like in her late 20s, early 30s. She was doing so much with her life and she had already done so much in her life. She was very cultural as well. She loved traveling to different countries and experiencing just different cultures and she was never scared to experience different cultures. And then in 1986, that is when Mary graduated and got her doctorate in chiropractic medicine. The following year in 1987 is where Mary and Bill decided to move in together. And whilst they were moved in together, they were kind of doing their own chiropractic work until they decided to just start their own chiropractic business together. So they bought out a building and that building would later become Chiropractic Family Care in Whitesboro, New York. Shortly after they got this chiropractic business, this is where they really started to just become a very spiritual couple. They really started to get into holistic therapies as well as natural medicines like with herbs and vitamins, but that was just something that they were very passionate about, but it wasn't something that they strayed away from completely. Like if they needed to take medicine prescribed from a doctor, they would still take it. It's not like they were, you know, totally against it, but they did prefer to go the more natural route. And it was in their chiropractic business where they also started up their own vitamin business to which they sold these vitamins at their practice. So once the business started to get a lot more money, that is when the two of them decided to buy their own home in Saquite, New York. I believe that's how you pronounce it, but it's about 15 minutes away from Whitesboro. So it wasn't that far away from from their work and that is when they would later have three kids in that house named Tamarin, Lyanna, and the baby of the family, Adam. Mary absolutely loved owning her own home. She was always, as I said, a very healthy person and it was always her dream to have a big house with a big backyard so that one day she would be able to have an entire garden of like just fresh fruits and vegetables and that's exactly how it was. She definitely had a green thumb and she was constantly growing and eating new vegetables, new fruits And they also raised their three kids the same exact way. All of their kids were raised with a lot of love. All of them ate very healthy. They were very physically healthy as well. The family was very active and would go on a lot of active trips together like hiking and biking. Mary also taught her kids as well because Mary herself was a very spontaneous and creative person and she was always encouraging her kids to do the same. Anything her kids set their minds to, she was always supportive. She was always cheering them on, always making sure that whatever they did in life, they loved. And she was just overall such a wonderful mother, a wonderful wife, and she had just been living such a blessed life with her husband and kids. And as far as William, William was a chiropractor with Mary, but he also kind of went off and did his own creative endeavors as well, where he was the author of two books by the name of Lighted Clearing for the Soul, Reclaiming the Joy of Living, as well as The Happy Mind. As their chiropractic business started to grow, they got more and more employees, and one of those employees was a 24-year-old woman by the name of Caitlin Colney, aka Katie. Katie worked at the front desk as a reception but she was also the office manager and at this point she had been working there for about four years so since she was 20 years old and so since Katie had been working there for a very long time she grew very close with Mary and William she became very close with the family and although the kids didn't work at the chiropractic office they would frequently come in just you know help out and clean and check in patients and that is when Katie had met Mary and William's son on Adam and it was actually in 2015 where Katie and Adam would start dating they started dating and at first it was going really well the two really loved each other and Katie was already really close to the family as it was and so she was getting even closer with Mary and Mary and Katie just had a very close relationship with one another but as the relationship started to pursue Katie and Adam would just inevitably not work out their relationship was constantly on and off but Mary, despite Adam and hers relationship, she really loved Katie. She honestly looked at Katie as one of her own daughters and would literally bring Katie in as part of one of the family members. Mary just had such a wonderful attitude about life and so her and Katie would frequently do things together like she introduced Katie to all of her Bollywood and belly and African dancing and they would also do paint and do pottery together because she was still you know a 60 year old woman out here going on hikes doing all of this vigorous dancing just for fun and she also did all of the landscaping on their house as well which landscape is a lot of hard and demanding work and she literally did it like a breeze and although mary and william felt really good uh, at their age they were starting to reach that age where they were just tired of working all day they loved what they did but they would much rather you know just be retired and so at this point they had saved up enough money to retire in 2015 so later on that year And if not that year, then possibly the following year in early of 2016. And it was even said that as part of their retirement celebration, Mary and William had planned a trip for Europe that following summer. And then on Monday, July 20th of 2015, Mary was in the office that day. William was not in the office. He was back at home. But Mary had a full day of patience. And a lot of the employees said that she walked into work, you know, with her bright spirits, typical Mary, ready to take on the day. And it wasn't until around lunchtime, like after lunchtime, where she complained that she was starting to feel a little ill. Mary was starting to feel increasingly more and more sick as the day went on and she was feeling more flu-like symptoms but exaggerated flu-like symptoms and so since William wasn't in the office that day she called William she was like I feel so sick I feel nauseous I feel terrible and that's when William suggested just close up the office early today come home make sure to get some rest and a lot of the patients that were at the office that day a lot of them were regular so they know mary personally they see her all the time and even the patients that day said that mary looked not like mary she looked very pale she was sweating she was just not in the best place and so she did indeed close up the office early that day. And when she got home, William said that she looked very, very sick. She was pale. She was sweating. And not only that, she was also throwing up with diarrhea as well. And she was just very, very sick. And this came out of nowhere because William said that he remembers when she left for work that morning, she was in her typical bright spirits and ready to go to work. And all of a sudden, it just took a complete 180 in the matter of of hours. And so the next day, Tuesday of July 21st, 2015, that night Mary slept on the couch and the next morning William said that she looked even worse than she did the day before. She wasn't getting down any food, she couldn't drink anything, she couldn't eat anything, and so he decided to take her straight to the hospital. When they went to the hospital, the doctors took her in, but the doctors were unable to find anything that stood out to them and it was mostly because Mary's health was just decreasing so rapidly that the doctors were not able to keep up with her body and try to figure out what was going on. On Wednesday, July 22nd of 2015, her condition just got worse and worse to the point where Mary had suffered multiple cardiac arrests that day. Her body was shutting down and the doctors could not figure out the issue and William said that that day Mary looked very sick but she also looked very terrified because even Mary herself didn't know what was happening. And this was very odd for doctors that this would happen so randomly and so rapidly to Mary because from her charts, the only thing that Mary really suffered was asthma. And other than that, she was a perfectly healthy individual. She was very active. She was very cheerful. I mean, she was 60 years old and going on hikes and taking dancing classes like she had the energy of a 25 year old. And so the doctors were just baffled. They didn't know what was going on. They didn't know what was causing this. And since her health was just decreasing so rapidly, the doctors didn't have enough time to figure out what was wrong with Mary until inevitably it was too late. On Thursday of July 23rd, 2015 at 9 30 a.m., that is when 60-year-old Mary Yoder would pass away in the hospital. This show- shocked everyone, the doctors, the family, her friends, and Mary touched the lives of so many people, including the patients that she worked with. No matter how big or how little your interaction with Mary was, she had inspired so, so many people and left an impact on people. I mean, even like me myself, when I was researching this and I was like hearing about Mary's backstory, like even I myself or even you listening, like you you're probably inspired by Mary as well. The fact that she was still so, you know, she was like an older person but she still had the bright spirits of a younger person and even that in itself is very inspiring to a lot of people to just go out there and do as many things as you can. She was just such a precious and free-spirited individual and it was just so sudden because it happened all so quickly with no major underlying health condition and the family especially was very concerned as to why this happened. Mary was a perfectly healthy and active individual and the fact that this happened so rapidly and Mary had passed away in such a miserable state, it really concerned the family. And so Mary's daughter Liana was actually a doctor and so she requested the toxicology report as well as an autopsy from the doctors to really get to the bottom of what exactly killed Mary and even if this did kill Mary is this hereditary you know could the other children have this same thing as well. And so a few days later, that is when the family got back the toxicology reports as well as the autopsy. And there was something very important about the toxicology report that really stood out to the family. The toxicology report showed an excessive amount of colchicine in her system, to which if you don't know what colchicine is, colchicine is used for quote decreasing swelling and lessening the buildup of uric acid crystals that cause pain in joints like toes knees or ankles it's also used to prevent attacks of pain in the abdomen chest or joints caused by a certain inherited disease such as Mediterranean fever so the fact that there was a lot of colchicine found in Mary's body was very concerning because as I said Mary had no underlying medical conditions besides asthma so the fact that she would be taking colchicine was such an obscure and odd medicine it was very odd that Mary would even, you know, be in possession of this medicine. And as I said, Mary was very into holistic medicine and herbs. She barely ever took actual medicine. And so again, her being in possession of colchicine was very unlike Mary. And this medicine in particular is a very strong medicine where according to mayoclinic.org, the highest dose you can take is 1.2 milligrams per day. And that is an extremely, cases, usually a typical dose is only 0.6 milligrams or 5 milliliters. And from Mary's toxicology reports, they had found 26 milliliters of colchicine in her system, where as I said, the typical dose for one day is 5 milliliters. And so the fact that she was found with 26 is absolutely, you know, way too much. It is 100% an overdose. And this was not something that Mary just would have voluntarily have done or taken. And there are a couple of things that I do want to mention about Mary's autopsy because as a lot of you guys know, I tend to put all of my research down below. So there is a couple of autopsy things that I want to talk about real quick. Um, In the autopsy, she was found with sharp force injuries to upper and lower extremities as well as blunt force trauma to the head. She was found with bruises on her left and right upper arms, right thigh and right knee as well as puncture marks on her forearms and wrists. There was broken blood vessels on her right and left side of her head and these findings although they sound very significant for Mary's age at 60 years old they really weren't that significant or anything of importance because as far as the small bruises on her arms and legs and knees these injuries could have easily been caused by thin fibroblasts and basically for those who don't know the reason why a lot of elderly people our older people tend to bruise easily more easily than younger people is because we all have this cell material in our skin called fibrose and fibrose is what keeps our skin as younger people very thick and tight and then as we get older that fibrose tends to thin and weaken which causes wrinkles and drooping of the skin as well as thinning of the skin so that's why elderly people are able to bruise a lot easier because their skin is is just very thin or their fibrose is very thin. And that also goes for the puncture wounds as well. You know, it could have been the cause of a fingernail or a pen or something like that. And also explaining the broken blood vessels, her days in the hospital, she had suffered multiple cardiac arrests. So it is believed that those broken blood vessels were probably due to that. Broken blood vessels happen all the time. Surprisingly, there are a lot of people who have bronchitis and cough really really hard and they themselves even break blood vessels so it's a very common thing to have and especially for Mary's age it wasn't that uncommon but I know that there are a lot of you who go ahead and do your own research so I just wanted to you know touch on that real quick so if you go ahead and look at the autopsy yourself you won't be confused as to why I didn't mention those things but the main idea of it was the toxicology report and the colchicine. What was the colchicine doing in her body? Why was there so much of it? And what was the purpose of that medicine being in her body? With that excessive amount of colchicine, it would be considered an overdose, but if the purpose was to off herself, Why would she choose a very slow and painful death? And she was, you know, a doctor. She went to school to become a doctor. She knew a lot about medicine. And so why would she choose a medicine that would create the most miserable death and only take that specific amount when she could have taken a lot more and had died a lot quicker? But again, why would you choose the most slow and painful route if the purpose was to off herself? So all of this combined, it was very, very concerning and even the family saw this as very odd. How would she even get a hold of Colchicine? In October of 2015, three months after Mary's death, it was ruled as a homicide and that is when the police opened up an investigation to figure out what actually happened. The first person they brought into questioning was Mary's daughter, Liana. Liana was the woman who had requested the autopsy and the toxicology report. And so when the investigators told uh, Liana that her mother had tested positive for colchicine, she was very baffled at this because she had told police that her mom never took medicine unless she had to. And other than that, she took mostly vitamins and supplements. The investigator also told Liana, Diana that this could possibly have been an accident, suicide, or even homicide. And Liana was very determined to figure out what happened to her mom and get answers as soon as possible. And so that is when Liana told detectives that she was going to try everything in her power to figure out how the colchicine got in her mother's system. And the detective notes talking about Liana's interview said, quote, she will be doing several things. She will be reviewing her mother's complete medical history to make absolutely certain she was not prescribed colchicine at any time in the recent or remote past. She will also be investigating whether any of her relatives or friends or mothers have been prescribed colchicine. She will be taking complete inventory of all of the vegetables and plants that her mother was growing in her garden at the time of the death. She will also be gathering all of her mother's supplements and sending them for tests testing where they will be transferred to Dr. Marifa, who will proceed to have the items analyzed by laboratories of the FDA for possible contamination." So Liana, as you can see, she is going above and beyond. She is making sure that she is going to get to the bottom of this. She knew that it was not her mother who put the colchicine in her body and it had to have been some other thing. It was most definitely either someone or something and Liana was determined to figure it out. So, while that was going on, the next person that the detective interviewed was, of course, her husband, William. There are a lot of cases where the husband will kill their wives for some ulterior motive. Sometimes the wives will kill their husbands. So, when the detective had asked William, you know, did Mary have any odd behaviors leading up to her death? And William just said, no, she wasn't acting weird. She was acting completely normal. Even the morning that she went to work that day, she was his typical, fun, and loving Mary. She had no change in her mannerisms, nor has she ever made comments of self-harm. She also had no past psychiatric history, psychiatric hospitalizations, and no past suicide attempts. When the detective asked William what he believed happened to her, he replied with, quote, "'I have no idea. None. I've thought about it over and over. I can't come up with anything.'" William also handed over all of Mary's supplements that she had in the house as well as medications and he sent those in for testing to see if any of them came across positive for a trace of colchicine. And as far as William's demeanor during the entire interrogation, the detective throughout the interview was looking for all signs of body language. She was looking for any signs of lying, any signs of guilt, like he was hiding something. But in her notes, she said, quote, At no point in our conversation was Mr. Yoder invasive or defensive. He wept slightly as the interview drew to a close, thanked us for looking into his wife's death, adding that he would continue to assist us however he was able. I thanked him for his time, advised him to contact us with any questions, concerns, or new information, and at 10.40 a.m. concluded the interview." So William's demeanor throughout all of it was completely calm and collective and also understandable. He just wept very slightly. At this point, it was three months after his wife's death, so it was still fresh, but it wasn't like it happened the day before. So he had, you know, three months time to cry it all out. He's probably at a point right now where he's just lost and looking for answers. But the detective, while interviewing other family members and friends, she found out a very odd detail about William. She had heard from multiple people that William had been spotted many times at Mary's sister Kathy's house. Now, Kathy had just recently lost her husband less than a year prior. So it is believed that William was possibly just going over to Kathy's house all the time because they were both recently widowed individuals. They were also older, like in their 60s. So they were probably just hanging out with one another because they really understood what each other was going through. And also Kathy was Mary's sister. So she was also grieving the loss of her sister as well. And so although that is what some believe, a lot of other people believe that there was possibility possibly an affair going on, which if you ask me personally, I don't think an affair was going on. I personally just think they were trying to get through their rough times together because they both understood what the other person was going through. And so at this point, it was very hard for the detectives to find answers because there really wasn't anything significant coming up. And so because of this, the detective felt, you know, that she needed to interview as many people as possible if she really wanted to find some sort of lead in all of this. And so that is when she interviewed every Everyone, including Katie Coldney, the receptionist who was also working the same exact day that Mary started to feel sick. Katie also posted on her Facebook page the day that Mary passed away saying, quote, if love could have saved you, you would have lived forever. Dr. Mary, I still can't believe you're gone. You truly were a positive light in this world and I am so lucky and thankful our lives crossed paths. There wasn't a day I didn't look forward to work with you. You taught me so much had such a profound impact on my life. Everyone appreciated your attention, stories, and laughter. We will remember you for your light, energy, and strength, and the best way I can think to honor your life is to emulate your genuine, cheerful, and kind spirit. You will be sorely missed and lovingly remembered. God has gained the best angel. We love you. And so they even interviewed Katie, and they said that at first, Katie was very open to answer any questions, but the police weren't really suspecting Katie because she just was a receptionist and Adam's girlfriend. So, they just kind of were looking more at William for answers. And so, without any leads and always leading to dead ends, that is when in November of 2015, the police would receive their main lead. The police receive an anonymous letter that is about a page and a half long saying this, "'Please forward to acting investigators. I know police are currently looking into this death, but I don't know where to send this information.' This is in regards to the July 22, 2015 death of Mary Yoder in Utica, New York. If the toxin found in her was colchicine, Adam Yoder, her son, is responsible. He told me he did, and moreover, he told me how and where he put the rest of the toxin. Especially since he's been so standoffish and just mean to her, telling her he functioned better by not seeing or talking to her. He felt she was very unfair to him and resented that she should have helped him more. When I saw him a couple days ago, he appeared agitated and said he was the reason for her death and wished he could take it back. Then he said he got a bottle of colchicine off online and put the toxin in one of her vitamins when he was over at his parents' house. He said his mom noticed he seemed disturbed at the time and she said it was since he was drinking at the house. Adam told her no, the beer was not the reason he was disturbed and to drop it. He said he apologized to his parents for ruining the holiday Father's Day and left. Adam was upset people weren't paying attention to him. He felt he deserved more attention and he thought people should be nicer to him. He acted resentful and belligerent to his immediate family and became visibly irritated when people kept talking about his mom. He says he expected a financial payout after her death, which did not come. After he found out that he was not getting any of the money he thought he would, he said he regretted what he did, was hysterical, and didn't know what he was going to do, but he had ideas he said now the colchicine container is under the front seat of the passenger side of his jeep that's where he said it was until he figures out where to put it or dispose of it next i asked him to show me where it kept it currently but he said no and described it as a small glass bottle he has a black jeep wrangler 1991 model i'm sending this anonymously because i can't keep this information it is right to alert authorities but it's still hard to do so i fear attaching my name to this information right now i'm very close to him but what he did was wrong and I believe he was capable of repeating this type of act and then towards the end the person writing this note basically adds credibility to their statement saying well you should believe me because I know that the toxin was colchicine and at this time the drug colchicine was not made to the public yet of the reasoning of what killed Mary so this person clearly writing this knew that it was colchicine and how would they know that if Adam hadn't told them that it was? Was colchicine. They also go into detail about the times of death of Mary, insinuating that they were at the hospital when it happened. And so clearly this person was a very close person with the family. And so the police did not really see this as, you know, someone saying that it was someone else. They more saw it as this is someone who could possibly be the murderer trying to pin it onto someone as if it were someone else. So, after reading this note, the police take the note very, very seriously, and they call Adam. They get a search warrant to search his car, and just like the note had said, the bottle of colchicine was indeed found underneath the passenger side of his Jeep. And not only did they find the colchicine, they also found a receipt for the purchase of the colchicine with Adam's name and email address on the receipt, meaning that Adam was the one who purchased the colchicine. So immediately when the police saw this, they arrested Adam for suspicion of murdering Mary Yoder. But when Adam was taken into questioning, he pleaded with the police his innocence. He said, I don't know how that drug got in my car. I don't know where it came from. I have never even heard of colchicine. Why would I do something like this? I have nothing to gain from this. And he kept on telling the police that he did not do it. But the police were very hard on him him they said well obviously you did it because the murder weapon was in your car and on top of that the purchasing of the murder weapon had your name on it so how do you even explain all of that so Adam kept on telling the police I don't know how it got in there I don't know what's happening someone is trying to frame me and the police just are not buying into it they're like clearly you did it but we need to somehow get you to confess it and so hopefully by gaining more information about Adam to further get a confession that is when they bring in adam's girlfriend katie coldney Katie was called into the police station and when the police asked Katie a couple of questions about Adam, Katie said that Adam was indeed acting very odd these past couple of days and that he was just acting very agitated. He was very standoffish and basically just kind of using words that was mentioned in the note. So that's when they look to Katie and they're like, you're the one who wrote the note. Is that right? And Katie says, yes, I am the one who wrote that letter, but I still I want to remain anonymous because I'm very scared of Adam and he already killed his mom. And so if he finds out that I'm the one who told you guys that he did it, I don't know what's going to happen to me. But as they start talking more and more to Katie, Katie quickly turns from victim to suspect. They're starting to see a couple of odd things about Katie and also some slip-ups in her story. And they found that very concerning because why would You lie about a situation that you had nothing to do with? Or why would you give false details if you're not hiding something? So now the police are looking at three suspects. They're looking at William because William had been seen at Kathy's house very frequently. And at this point, the police also know that even before the death of Mary, William was found at Kathy's house multiple times. And the police now know from a testimony of a neighbor that William was actually seen at Kathy's house multiple times way before the murder of Mary. And so this was kind of giving giving the police a look into possibly a romantic motive to kill Mary and also financial motive because William would get a lot of money off of Mary if Mary were to pass away. They shared a lot of their financials and also Mary was the breadwinner of the family and so that gives William some sort of financial and romantic motive. But they were also looking at Adam because Adam, the murder weapon was found in his car along with the receipt of the murder weapon with his name on it. But the police were also now looking at Katie because possibly Katie is trying to frame Adam and put Adam as the killer, but they were also looking at Katie and thought that, you know, Katie has something to do with this too, because Katie, since she just told us that she wrote the note, she knew where the murder weapon was. And if she knew where the murder weapon was, she would also know that the murder weapon receipt was in there. And they also found it odd that Katie was there the entire day when Mary was at work and she started to feel very sick. And in the note, it says that Adam had put colchicine in Mary's vitamins and supplements, which Mary only took in the morning. So the police found this very odd. With this much of colchicine, the effects would work very quickly. So if she were to take the vitamins in the morning, she would have started to feel terrible in the morning, not around lunchtime. So the drug must have been taken around lunchtime where Adam, nor William was around. So the police are kind of at a tug of war with all of these three suspects. They really don't know which one to convict and which one to really get a confession out of, but that's when they really start looking more into Katie just to get a little bit of more information. They learned that Mary every day had a protein shake with her lunch and would usually keep her protein shake chilled in the break room refrigerator, a refrigerator that all of the employees had access to to, including Katie, since she was working that day. So they do a little bit more digging on Katie, and they look into her web history, and that is when... Everything started to fall into place. On the receipt of the colchicine, there was Adam's email address. So they take the IP address of Adam's email address to figure out an exact time and place of when that email address was used to purchase the colchicine. And when looking into it, they found that the colchicine was purchased with that email from an IP address that was directed to Katie's computer at Mary's work. And you could easily be saying, "Well, Adam could have used Katie's computer at work to purchase the drug without Katie knowing." But when looking at the timeline, Adam was actually across the country at this point of uh, visiting family. So there would be no way for Adam to purchase the drug with his email address at Katie's computer if he was across the country. The only explanation would be Katie or William and so they look more into Adam's email address and get a clear vision of when this email address was used following the purchasing of the colchicine. And they find something particularly very odd that the email address was being used just the night prior from an IP address at Katie's home. So Katie must have had access to Adam's email address and was checking his email address the night before the interrogation at her own home. Like I told you, we know you got on Adam's accounts. Why did you get on Adam's account last night? These are all things we know. IP comes back, your house. So this gave the police enough incentive to look through Katie's whole computer, and when they looked into Katie's search history, they found harmful drug research, including drugs like colchicine and arsenic. They also found that the colchicine was bought with a prepaid credit card, like a visa gift card, so whoever owned the card would not be able to be tracked. And Katie even said during her interrogation that, yes, she did indeed own those Visa gift cards, which was all the police really needed to know. The fact that she owned these cards and these cards were made to buy this murder weapon off of her computer at work while Adam was across the country. So it's clear that Adam didn't buy these things in his name. So you either did this alone or somebody helped you or you helped them. It's one or the other. It's not, it's not a if you're involved. We know you're involved. You already said it. You got the card. That right there ties into the purchase of the post. You're in the office the day Mary's there. Did somebody else want to hurt Mary and you help them? What does it come down to at this point, Katie? You need to help us because, like I said, this is a done deal. We know all this stuff. And you know we know because we're laying out facts left and right for you. Now the bottom line is who, what, where, we already know that. It's the why. That's the only thing that why, Mary. Help me understand. Oh my God. We've we've kind of done a lot of work, okay? And we know that your your phone is used quite a lot for items in this case. Okay? You're the one that purchases the quote no. Help me. I didn't. Though. I can But you're never gonna believe me. Nobody else will believe you. You lied to me. I didn't mean to lie to you. But you did. That's the only thing we need at this point is why. You need to tell me whether you wanted to hurt her or did you want her to get sick or, or what. We need to know. I wouldn't try to hurt. Okay. I wouldn't hurt. You wouldn't hurt, Mary? No. That's why. Please just tell me why, Katie, that we can help you. the only thing left. I'm sure you can do this, Katie. Is it Adam? No, I couldn't do that. I couldn't do that forever. We're tasting your dress. I wouldn't risk it. Now, if Katie didn't commit this crime fully, the police 100% knew that Katie was involved to some extent. She had something to do with something because Katie's cards were used to purchase the murder weapon. She knew from the letter that she wrote exactly where the murder weapon was, and the murder weapon was bought off of her computer in Adam's name, although Adam was across the country at this point. They even catch Katie lying a couple times during her interrogation, but the one thing that the police couldn't really figure out was a motive. They knew that Katie had no involvement with Mary financially or anything, so what exactly would Katie gain from killing Mary? It doesn't make sense for me to put so much on the line. My life, Mm -hmm. my future, Mm -hmm. the line. People don't think they're gonna get caught when they do things, Katie. But after a lot of evidence was presented, they had enough to arrest and charge Katie that same day for the murder of Mary Yoder. And when Katie was arrested and charged with Mary's murder, this was a huge shock to everyone. It was a shock to Katie's family. It was a shock to her friends. It was a shock to even Mary's family. Even Mary's family just said, no, there is no way Katie did this. We have known Katie for four years. She is the sweetest, kindest soul. She could have never done anything like this. She's not capable of doing something like this mm And there would be no reason for Katie to do this as well. Mary absolutely loved Katie. Mary looked to Katie as one of her own daughters. On Mary's obituary, although Katie wasn't an official family member, Katie was labeled as a loved one on Mary's obituary because that is how close Mary was with Katie. She saw Katie as truly one of her own daughters and treated her like one. So the family members were just shocked. They felt that Katie was wrongfully convicted. There's no way she could have been capable of doing something like this. And it wasn't until early of 2017 at Katie's trial where the families would really start to see Katie's true colors. At Katie's trial, many people were called to testify, including Adam Adam, when asked about his relationship with Katie, he said that their relationship was very on and off. The couple would frequently get into fights over little things and big things. He also made notes that throughout the entire relationship that lasted a couple of years, it was always Katie to be the one breaking things off. She would always be the one breaking things off, but she would also always be the one wanting to get back together, which most of the time Adam would be manipulated by Katie to feel bad or feel obligated and get back together with Katie. This cycle ran over and over again of them getting into fights, Katie breaking it off, Katie being able to get Adam to get back with her and that's what always happened. It was just this terrible relationship that just ran in loops and loops and everything was just all Katie's way. And so during one of their breakups, um, Katie went back to Adam expecting Adam to get back together with her but this time around, Adam said no. Adam's I'm not doing this anymore. We can't live like this. This is clearly not healthy. I'm sorry. This can't work. I can't get back together with you. And this made Katie very angry because she had never been rejected by Adam. Usually she would be able to get back together with Adam quite easily, but this time Adam was putting his foot down and this was something Katie was not used to. And it was at this point where the prosecutors found their motive, revenge. Since Katie was pleading not guilty, she never gave an actual timeline of events or an actual confession, but this is what the prosecutors believed happened. They believed that since Adam didn't wanna get back together with Katie, Katie felt that if something happened to Adam, something that would put him in a very vulnerable state, he would be easier to manipulate and need a shoulder to cry on, to which Katie would then get back together with Adam and Adam would want to get back together with Katie. So Katie went online, looked into lethal doses with the intention of harming someone close to him, such as his mother, Mary. Contrary to what the note said, the anonymous note, um, Adam and his mother, Mary, were very, very close. He described his mother to be one of his closest friends. They had a very close relationship and anytime he had issues and needed advice, he would always, always go to his mother. They had a very healthy relationship overall. Of course, they had issues, but all healthy relationships have issues. It was nothing that would make him want to kill Mary over. Every time he had issues with his love life, his financial life, his career, he always went to his mother because that's how much he loved his mother. He felt like he could tell his mom anything and there would be no judgment. So with this very close relationship, Katie knew that if something happened to Mary, it would lead out. Adam to come back home because, as I said, this point, he was across the country visiting family. So she needed something to make Adam come back home and something to put him in a vulnerable state so that they would get back together. Katie went online, ordered the colchicine from her work computer to leave without a trace, using a Visa gift card to again have nothing linked back to her, and also use Adam's name and email to again have nothing linked back to her. And then it was on the day of July 20th where Katie was at work all day that day as well as Mary, and that is when Katie snuck into the break room put the colchicine into Mary's protein shake, shook it up, put it back in the refrigerator, and that would explain why Mary started to feel sick exactly around lunchtime. And since this was a very heavy dose of the drug, the drug started to work very, very quickly, and that would explain why Mary felt very sick specifically around lunchtime. The prosecutors are unsure if Katie's intention was to kill Mary or just to make Mary very, very sick, but either way, Mary did end up passing away from this, and this plan of Katie's actually did work. Adam rushed home because he heard that his mother was in a very, very bad state, and right after Mary had passed away, Adam needed a shoulder to cry on, so he went over to Katie and the couple got back together. The couple actually only got back together for about a month and then that's when Adam broke it off again. He said, I can't do this all over again. This is too much. I just lost my mom. I just need some time by myself. And ironically, the same time that Adam had broke it off with Katie was around the same time that the police had received that anonymous letter into the station. Now, although there were a lot of people that believed that Katie was the the killer. They believed that Katie had a revenge motive. There were also a lot of people that sided with Katie and thought that Katie was completely innocent and she was not capable of doing something this heinous. But a lot of people believed that William and Adam were actually the ones to kill Mary. Some believed that William and Kathy, Mary's sister, were actually having an affair after that neighbor. As I said, the neighbor testified that she had actually seen William at Kathy's house multiple times before. Mary's murder and even Mary's own sister not Kathy but another one of her sisters believes purely that Katie is innocent and William is a hundred percent to blame. It is still my theory that he killed my sister. A lot of people believe that by William killing Mary it would give him more money but also more romantic motive to go off and live his life with Kathy. William also had access to Katie's computer at work so it is a huge possibility that he could have used the work computer as well as using Adam's name to cover everything up. The defense team also pointed out that Katie was the one who broke up with Adam, so there would be no reason for Katie to even want to get involved with Adam if she had made that very clear already that she wanted nothing to do with him because she had broken up with him. They also believed that the police were forcing Katie to confess and were coming way too hard down on her. There was also a part in her interrogation where Katie actually threw up because she was under so much stress from the police forcing her to confess. Confess to what she did. So even the jury themselves were being pulled in three different directions. They didn't know if William had committed the crime. They didn't know if Adam had actually committed the crime, but he was making it look like Katie did it, or did Katie do the crime and she was trying to make like Adam did it? Or did Adam actually commit the crime and he's trying to frame Katie? Or did Katie actually commit the crime and she's trying to frame Adam? It was just a lot of evidence to. To look over. There were a lot of factors. So, that is when the jury actually went into a hung jury. Now, I've actually never heard of a hung jury, but a hung jury, also called a deadlocked jury, is a judicial jury that cannot agree upon a verdict after extended deliberation. Hung jury usually results in the case being tried again. So, basically, the jury simply just said, I don't know. And we're going to need some more time. So it went into a hung jury. The jury did not come up with a verdict and the trial had to be retried again so that the jury could then make a decision on who exactly committed the crime, William, Adam, or Katie. But resulting in this specific court case, Bill or William was actually given immunity, meaning that he could never be charged with this crime. And so usually when that happens, that means that the police had a enough evidence not to suspect of that person. So William was given immunity. They said that William, they did not have enough evidence to charge William and he was completely cleared and now it was just Adam and Katie. In November of 2017, that is when Katie's retrial had started and this time they had brought new evidence. And this time around, rather than all of the blame being pointed at Katie, a lot of the blame was being pointed at Adam. Katie's defense team had brought a 2014 police report that she had filed when Adam had actually SA'd Katie indicating that Adam is indeed a violent person and when asked about this when the defense team had asked Adam about this he said that he was drinking that night and he doesn't remember a single thing of went on but he did say that he was very sorry for what had happened that night. Katie went up to the stand to explain her side of things and she told the court that the reason why she broke up with Adam right before Mary's death was because she had told Mary about the SA that Adam had committed to her the year prior and it was actually Mary's instruction to break up with Adam and say this is not right you should not be with Adam I know he's my son but this is completely unacceptable and you need to get out so that is why Katie broke it off with Adam. So now the jury is Left with two conflicting sides. They don't know if Adam is lying or is Katie lying? Are they working together? Is Adam actually a terrible person and we've just been pointing all this blame at the wrong person? Did Katie actually break up with Adam and kill his mother as revenge as to get back at him for the S.A. that he had committed to her? But if she did, why would she kill Mary specifically? Wouldn't she want to kill Adam instead? Because obviously she trusted Mary a lot if she were to open up to Mary about the situation that happened to her. Or on the other side, did Adam kill Mary and everything that Katie said in the letter was true and was Adam scared his mom was going to go to the police and get Adam arrested for the S.A.? But if Adam did kill Mary, then why was the culture scene bought from Katie's computer at the same time Adam was across the country? And why was the anonymous letter that was sent into the police that was later confirmed by Katie that she wrote it around the same time that Katie and her had broken off things? And even weirder, why was Katie using Adam's email and personal name and have access to Adam's email the night before her interrogation? What reasoning would she need to be on Adam's email the night before her interrogation? So with both conflicting sides, they really didn't know who committed this crime. And that's when the jury went into another hung jury. They literally said, I don't know like this is so much both of these people both of their sides sound very convincing and we don't know that's when the judge said no we're not doing this we're not going back and forth you guys need to come up with a decision soon and so that's when the jury took a little bit more time to really examine all of the evidence and try to come to a verdict and then on November 6th of 2017 that's when the jury came to a decision and found Katie Colney guilty for the first degree murder of manslaughter for Mary Yoder and was sentenced to 23 years in prison, leaving Adam completely free and innocent. As far as the aftermath of this occurrence, there are many people who believe Katie is innocent and believe she was wrongfully convicted, including Mary's sister Janine. Janine was the woman on the stand that said that she full-heartedly believes that William and Adam were to blame for the crime. Mary's sister Janine also made a whole website called FreeKaitlynColney.com where there she talks about all of the in-depths about the case, the things about the case that a lot of people don't know about because she full-heartedly believes that Katie did not commit this crime. On the website, which will be linked down below, if you want to look it up and look through it, uh, she goes into many details about how she believes William, A.K.A. Bill, was responsible for the murder of Mary and had both romantic and financial motive to kill her. They also go on to say that they believe Adam had helped William in the murder to some extent as well. She even goes on to say in an excerpt of her website, saying, "Quote." Bill had everything to gain from Mary's death. He wanted to retire, but he and Mary had ongoing financial problems and there was no retirement savings, just a lot of debt. Mary had told me that they had a little bit of retirement savings that they had set aside but had been used for advertising to promote Bill's latest book. The advertising efforts did not pan out. Bill admitted to his daughter, my niece, that his inheritance was received but not enough for two people to live on, but now that Mary was gone, he had enough to retire. This was contained in a statement my niece gave to the Oneida County Sheriff's. Given the amount of debt Mary told me they had, which was confirmed by a private investigator, the amount of inheritance that Bill claimed he received was not enough to cover the debt and still lived comfortably. He is currently involved with my eldest sister, Kathy. Kathy's neighbor testified in the first trial that she saw Bill at Kathy's house often before Mary died and that she and her daughter had witnessed a passionate embrace and kiss between them on Kathy's front porch just days before Mary. Mary's death. My sister Kathy has a neurological disease and therefore I do not believe is fully accountable for her actions choices. Bill testified in both trials that his relationship with Mary was wonderful and quote getting better every day yet there was still a call to a marriage counselor presumably made by Mary from their landline just days before her death. So that is just an excerpt of what was on the website. As I said, there are a lot of things on that site, but... Unfortunately, who's to really say if it is true or not? This is truly just Janine's word. This is not confirmed by a police report or some sort of executive, someone saying, Yes, this is true. We've confirmed it with the people involved. So is this just Janine trying to make it look like Katie is innocent just by saying all these random things, or is it actually true? As far as the aftermath of it all, in March. March of 2021, Katie had actually attempted to appeal her sentence but was denied, and as of most recently, in September of 2022, she is seeking to overturn her conviction with new evidence presented. Some of the new evidence that Katie plans to present to her retrial is proof of two witnesses lying on the stand and believed Katie's lawyers were so overwhelmed by the amount of contents of the case that they gave up on her case early on, leading her to be convicted. And that was back in September of 2022. So as of today, in November of 2022, nothing new has come out about the press. I don't know if they're actually going to do a retrial and actually overturn her charge, but that is the end of today's case. If you guys found this interesting, make sure to give it a thumbs up and subscribe if you're on YouTube or if you're on Apple or Spotify, make sure to rate it five stars because it really does help me out a lot. This case is very Confusing because if you yourself are sitting there and you don't know and you're like, wow, there is so much evidence to convict Katie, but there's so much more evidence to convict William, and there's so much evidence to convict Adam. And I'm truly myself very in between on all three sides. I do feel like Katie did have some sort of play in it because it was very clear that she knew where the murder weapon was, she purchased the murder weapon, and she also had motive to to harm Mary in some way and that's why in the note it would explain that she knew about the culture scene way before everyone else but then on the other side you also suspect Adam and you think well maybe Adam was afraid that his mom Mary was going to go to the police about the SA so that's why he killed Mary for that motive to make sure that she wasn't going to do anything but then you also read Janine's articles and about how she believes William was to blame and it's quite convincing all of the evidence that she presents. So I'm very in between on all three sides, and I honestly don't know. I think everyone is guilty in their own way, um, but I also believe everyone is innocent in their own ways as well, and I'm very interested to hear what you guys think about the case down below. But at the end of the day, the most concerning thing is why anybody would do this to Mary at all. Mary was such a beautiful soul. She was so precious, so full of life. You know, even at her age of 60, she was still out there. She was still doing things. She was having the time of her life. She was, as I said, the definition of you're only as old as you feel. She had so much more life to live and so much more to offer to the world world. And she really just brightened up anyone's lives. And even her patients felt so connected with her. She had such an impact on so many people. And the fact that anyone would do this to her is completely baffling. And it's very hard to think that with Mary being such a wonderful person and for someone to commit this crime and watch Mary die in such a slow and and painful way is such an inhumane thing to do, and whether it be William, Mary or Adam, they were all there to watch it happen. And it's very scary to think that did Mary actually get justice? Did Katie commit the crime and justice was served? Or did Mary's killer never actually get the consequences that they deserved? And that's a very scary thought. And unfortunately, we may never know. And although the jury said it was Katie, there are a lot of people who believe that Katie didn't commit the crime and even me personally there are a couple things where I think you know did Katie actually commit this crime but nonetheless again I would love to hear what you guys think in the comments below make sure to keep it very mature very respectful Um, as always all of my research will be linked down below if you guys want to go ahead and do your own investigation your own research into Mary's case I have linked below all of the detective notes the autopsy reports, um, the police reports, all of that will be linked down below. And if you in your own research find something that I did not find or that I did not mention, make sure to leave that in the comments below. I'm pretty sure everyone will be interested into hearing what you have to say. But yes, that is the end of today's video. Make sure to be safe out there. I hope you guys have a wonderful rest of your morning, afternoon, or evening. Make sure to be safe out there go outside today, get some fresh air, get some sun, you know, whatever, even if it's raining near you, read a good book next to the little pitter patter of the rain. Um, It's starting to get colder outside where I'm at. So hopefully we'll see some snow. I love snow. I love a good winter wonderland. But yes, make sure to take care of yourself today. Do something that makes you happy. Read your favorite book, watch your favorite movie, eat your favorite food, hang out with your best friend, what have you. And I will see you guys next week. Bye.